Sometimes our plans don't come quite together. Um, today we do get together for the first Sunday of Advent. This season's a, a season of hopeful anticipation. And we're preparing our hearts for the coming of our Lord. See, Advent's a time of waiting, a time of watching, a time of longing. I don't wait well. I truly do not wait well. I like for things to happen on the pace that I like for things to happen. If you don't believe me, there's some people at UT Hospital that can verify that. Things don't always move at the pace that we want them to move. Uh, sometimes, sometimes, most of the time, we're at the mercy of something out of our control. But this morning, again, we have hope. We have hope. I'm going to start, I'm going to read some scripture. I'm going to read from Isaiah 64. And I'm going to read the first nine verses. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down the mountains, quaked at your presence, from ages past no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen. God, besides you, no one's seen, whose works for those who waits for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you and your ways. But you are angry, and we sin because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord... You are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We all are the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry. O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, just thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Lord, thank you for, for being in control of everything. Lord, this morning I pray that your words flow through me, that those who are here or those who may be listening online, Lord, they receive the message that comes from you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
In this passage, the writer has captured a heartfelt cry. A cry of the people of Israel who are yearning for God to manifest his presence. His power. As we look at scripture, I want to explore how it relates to the Advent season and how it relates to us today. First section of this sermon I've titled The Cry for Divine Intervention. We need God. We have a cry for divine intervention. Do you ever need divine intervention? Are things ever out of your control? The things happen and you don't understand why. And you call out to the Lord. You call out to the Lord because you need to see his face. You see, Isaiah... Isaiah has a deep desire for God to tear open the heavens and come down. To tear open the heavens and come down. He says we anticipate Advent. It's kind of what we're doing. We're kind of waiting and watching and waiting for God to reveal himself. I think most of us are kind of like me. We're not real patient. I think I want things done at my own pace. I want things to happen when I want them to happen. And sometimes I try to take things into my own hand that I have no control over. I think all of us are kind of like that. If you look at human beings, it's kind of our nature to be selfish, to want things to happen when we want things to happen and how we want them to happen. Matter of fact, of all the world's religion, people are trying to find their way to God. They're trying to find their way to a greater power. You see, in Advent, we're called to wait. We're called to wait. We can't climb high enough to get to God. But you see, the God we serve, the God who's the God of the universe, the God who created everything, has come to us. He has come to us. He has torn open heaven and He sent His Son because we need God. We need divine intervention. We need divine intervention in our lives every day. See, just like the people of Israel face challenges. You see, we we face difficulties every day. We face trials. We face uncertainties. We're yearning for God to intervene. And the God that we serve sent his son. We call out for peace. 
Man, have you ever just needed peace? Have your, have your lives ever been in such turmoil that you just want to have peace, just to be able to lay down, just to be able to rest? It's kind of what I want us to put ourselves in the place of this Advent season as we wait, is that things get so busy. Things get so out of control. And again, I'm a control freak. I like to control a lot of things. But sometimes we're called just to sit back and wait. We call for God to give us divine intervention. And then we want to guide his hand instead of letting him guide ours. We have to remember... Like Isaiah was remembered in this passage that God is faithful. God is faithful. And Isaiah reminds us of this faithfulness in this passage. See, God, just like Isaiah writes, has done some awesome things that we did not expect. Have you ever prayed for something? And prayed for something? And prayed for something? And then you started trying to God guide, God guide God's hand. And then all of a sudden God answers that prayer and it's greater than anything you'd ever prayed for. You see, we can't limit God. We serve a God. We serve a God who is in control of all things. He's in control of all things. He wants to give us gifts. We have to remember, as it's written in Hebrews 13.8, that God's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, God is the same. The same God that Isaiah was crying out to is the same God we cry out to today. You see, we have to acknowledge that we need God. We need God. He's in control, and we need him. And we need to know that we need salvation. We need to be saved. We can't do it on our own. We cannot guide the hand of the Father. We must let him work through us. You see, Isaiah is acknowledging in this passage the fallen state of humanity. You see, he writes that all of us have become unclean. None of us deserve God's grace. None of us deserve salvation. But because he loves us so much, he tore the wall of heaven and showed his face to us. Even though we're unclean, even though we're undeserving, he loves us anyway. Oftentimes we want to get what we deserve. I just want to get my fair share. I want to get what I've worked. I want to get, I praise God every day I don't get what I deserve because I'm an unclean human being. If I got what I deserved, if I got what I deserved, I'd get despair. If I got what I deserved, I'd get hell. Because I can't do it on my own. I have to depend on the grace of God for my salvation. I have to confess my sin. I have to repent. You see, Jesus came to save us from our sin. We have to repent and turn to him. 
Sometimes we look for relief in all kinds of places. Sometimes we look for relief in things that we try to control, that we try to guide. In reality, again, we're not in control of very much. But God is. He's in control of everything. And when we submit to him, when we repent, we turn and walk towards him. That's when we get the relief that we need. You see, what I'm telling you right now is, yes, God saved our souls. He sent Christ because we couldn't do it on our own. We need salvation. But what I want to tell you right now is God's not finished with us. Thank God what you're seeing in me this morning is not a finished product. God's still working on me. I just need to trust him. We need to trust God as the potter. You see, Isaiah beautifully portrays God as being the potter and us being the clay. You see, this imagery reminds us of God's sovereignty. And we need to submit to his divine power. I don't know how many of you have seen the process of pottery. When you throw clay, you start out with dirt. You start out with dirt. You wet that dirt and then you make it into mud. Oh, mud's a lot prettier than dirt, don't you think? All mud is is wet dirt. And then the next step is the clay has to be wedged. You've got to get the air bubbles out of it. Because when you're in the process of making that piece of art, those air bubbles, if, if, if the clay's not pure, that air's not all pressed out of it, can cause some harm at the end of the process. Yeah, you might have a pot on the wheel, but when you fire that pot, those air bubbles explode. So God wedges us just like a potter wedges clay. He's shaping us. The next step is you make, I don't care what shape of pot or pottery you're making, you make it into a ball, into a round ball that fits in the potter's hands, just like this. Then once you have all the air bubbles out of it, and it's wedged, and you've made it into a perfect ball, you start spinning the wheel just a little bit. And you throw that ball on that wheel. And when you throw it on the wheel, it's not perfectly centered. But for pottery to happen, that clay has to be centered on that wheel. For it to become what it's supposed to be, it has to be centered. So the next step a potter does is he starts working the clay up and down. As the wheel's spinning, that clay's being worked up and down. The clay goes towards the center. You can't start building the pot up if it's not centered. It won't stand. It'll wobble. Have you ever wobbled? Man, I feel like I wobble all the time now. 
We've got to let God center us. Yeah, we've got to have Christ in the middle of our life to be centered. He has to be what our life is about. And as we're being centered, sometimes we don't really want to be centered. We just want to grow. But you see, he's faithful. He knows what we need. And he centers us. And the next part that happens is the potter puts his fingers in the center of the clay and begins to pull the clay out. Now all of a sudden, it starts looking like something. You see, when we let God start to shape our life, our life starts looking like something that's beyond what we can do on our own. I've thrown clay before. A pot can't make itself. It has to have a potter. You can't, no matter how fast you spin that wheel, that clay is on its own. You need the hands of the master to become who you're called to become, to become who God has created you and is creating you to do. Because, again, he's not finished with you. You have to be shaped by his hands. And when you allow him to shape you, you become something very beautiful. Some of us are called to be big, tall pitchers. Most favorite piece of pottery I have is about that tall, though. Some of us are called to be plates. But you see, God's shaping us into who He wants us to be. We've got to trust the potter, we've got to submit to His hands. Because I'm telling you, if we start trying to shape ourselves, we get really, really wobbly. And sometimes we never make it off the wheel. But once he's shaped us into who we want to be, once the potter shapes that clay into the pot or the plate or the bottle that he makes, the next step is you, you let it dry out for a bit. Again, we want clay. We want pure clay. We want the water out of it. So you let it dry. The next two steps is what really makes it beautiful. You throw in a kiln. You put that clay in a kiln and you put it to about 2,000 degrees. So it can cure. For it to be what it's supposed to be, sometimes it's got to go through fire. We're the same way. We don't always get what we want. Sometimes... We need to be shaped. Sometimes we need to be put in the fire. And then the last step, after you fire it, and now it's a piece of pottery, you glaze it. You make it beautiful. But for it to become beautiful, you know what it's got to do again? It's got to go back in the fire. And then when it comes out, it comes out As a masterpiece. As into what the potter intended for it to be. 
But you see, sometimes through that process, nobody really knows what it's supposed to be except for the potter. Sometimes our lives are like that. We go through fires. We go through things where God's shaping us. And we don't look like we think we ought to look. But you see, God's in control. He's the potter. When, it comes out of that, when we come out of that kiln that last time, he knows exactly what we are because he created us. For us to become what God wants us to be, we have to be patient. It's a process. I want to assure you that God's not finished. He's not finished with you. He's not finished with me. He's not finished with our church. He's not finished with our community. He's not finished with the world. But I can assure you he's still in control. Again, let's stop trying to guide the potter's hand and let the potter shape us into who he is creating us to be. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for for being the potter. Lord, thank you for shaping us into your masterpiece. Lord, sometimes we go through things that we really don't want to go through. But Lord, we need to remember that you are still the potter. We're still the clay. There's things that we don't understand. But Lord, I pray that we all submit to you. To you as our master, Lord. And and we let you guide us, Lord, instead of us trying to guide your hands. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here, anyone listening, who does not know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, that they call out to you today for their salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.